Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Wowee, we all knew injuries would take place this season, but this weekend was basically the walking dead. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on a Monday, August 17th. Frank Stample here with Scott White and Chris Towers. Long time no see or talk, Chris. Happy to see that you guys are okay after all these injuries. Everything all right, guys? Uh, I I managed to avoid injury today. I, I might, right. you know, one of the rare people associated with Major League Baseball in any form who didn't get injured uh, this weekend. So, yeah, this, um, it, it was a tough one. I, I have several roster spots that I really need filled by waivers tonight. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. It's not a, uh, it's not a great place to be at. Um, but I guess the good news is lots of prospects are getting called up too. Yeah. Silver lining. Yeah. Glass well, half full. Find a silver lining in every cloud. Okay? I, pre- I appreciate the, uh, the positivity here, Chris. We're going to need that because you mentioned it throughout the course of the show today. Lots of waiver wire talk. We'll do some buy low, sell high pitchers, but uh, basically trying to help people fix their lineups heading into week five because between the Yankees and Bo Bichette, this news just came out. Ronald Acuna, it's. Oh, my. There's a lot going on. Scott, what's up, I, man? I just, I just realized when you say. Bo Bichette, like you did. It sounds like Boba Fett. Wait, is re- you really like never realized that? I never realized that. That's amazing. Bo Bichette? Bo Bichette. Boba Fett? It was always Bo Bichette. Like my emphasis was on, I don't know. I never heard yeah, that. Yeah, his, uh, his son is named Django Shat. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right, with all that, let's jump right in. Oh my good, goodness gracious. Scott, oh my goodness gracious, player of the weekend. Whatever you want it to be. Uh, so this is a little off the beaten path, but my oh my goodness gracious player is Jordan Alvarez because that's when I literally said oh my goodness gracious. Actually, I did a couple times this weekend, but that's when I said it the loudest because after this long wait for him to be cleared of COVID-19 and, and for some reason it seemed like even after it was, he was cleared, it was a week at least until he showed up to the minor league camp and then he's tearing the cover off the ball there by all accounts, but the Astros keep holding him back. Finally, he returns to the lineup. Homer's in his first game back. I think he had a double or something in the second game back. Things are going well. You're ready to activate him for the start of a new week. And he's out of the lineup Sunday, scratched at the last minute (sighs) with knee pain. Knee pain. Yes, yes. That uh, Not a new thing. No. No, not a new thing at all. It was being talked about back in March when we thought the season was about to start. And, oh, would he be ready in time? Oh, his knees are hurting. Apparently, he played through knee pain all of last year. Apparently, uh, Dusty Baker at least said this is probably something he's just going to have to play through this year, too. So I'm still planning on starting him, at least in my Roto Leagues, with those deeper lineups to fill. But I'm not... Not uh, not feeling too comfortable with that. Not feeling like I can necessarily count on him to be the savior of my offense. And there's not really much you can do either in the redraft league, Scott, because everyone knows that he's dealing with this knee discomfort. It's something he's been dealing with since spring training. You don't really want to sell low on Jordan Alvarez right now. I, I did just want to ask you from a dynasty perspective... How would you handle a situation like this, Scott? Like, I don't know if you own Alvarez in any dynasty formats, but it it just seems so weird that we have this 22-year-old yeah. kid that is such a great hitter and a slugger, but 
we've said it before. It's just it's odd that he is a DH to start his career, and he's already dealing with this. Yeah, it's a very I, weird situation they, from they, a dynasty. They league. don't. It's mysterious. They don't know why it's going on. He's had right. MRIs done. Like everything seems fine structurally. I don't know if he needs orthotics or something. Like <laughs> I don't know what could be done here to rid himself of the knee pain, and if we, it'll ever be he'll ever be ridden with it as a guy in his early twenties, the first two years of his career, he spent playing, he spends playing through it. And there's always this threat of him having to uh, miss time because of it. I mean, it, like you were saying for uh, like uh, redraft leagues, uh, you know, now isn't the time to trade. I don't think now would be the time to trade him in a dynasty league. I think he has a stretch of games where he's crushing it. You know, maybe everybody relaxes a little about the knee, but you know in the back of your mind it's still there. Then maybe you shop him. I don't think now's the time to do anything. Yeah, the the thing with Jordan Alvarez it, it, that is worth noting is, you know, he played 90 games in 2017. He played 88 games in 2018. And last season he did play 143 games. But last year was the first time he'd ever played more than 90 games since becoming a professional. And, you know, the, the we knew about the injuries coming into this season. We knew about the injury or the, the, the knee soreness, I guess, you know, at times last season. And, you know, the fact that it's hindered him so far and the fact that it's kept him out of the lineup so far, it's a, it's a real concern moving forward um, in a way that probably didn't get factored into his price enough uh, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and his price was all over the place because back in March, he was like a third, fourth round pick. And then with yeah. all, the whole COVID situation pushed him way down draft boards. And Friday, you get him back and it seems like you're all excited. And then boom, Sunday, knee soreness. Uh, so a tough situation, one to pay attention to. I agree with Scott's take. If if he goes on a little bit of a run and people start to forget, I would just float the name out there in Dynasty and just see what you can get in return. Chris, a hey. winner or a loser? Oh my goodness gracious, player of the weekend for you. Yeah, it's it's got to be Pablo Lopez uh, since this is me, and he was one of the stallions, and he is the stallion at this point. Pablo Lopez has looked really, really good so far. Uh, he's only made three starts, but in those three starts, he has a twenty five percent hard hit rate, eighty four point nine percent average, or eighty nine eighty four point nine mile per hour average exit velocity, uh, really low launch angle. He's getting tons of ground balls, getting weak contact. And he's getting a ton of strikeouts, 28.4% strikeout rate. Um, the changeup looks absolutely ridiculous. I think he had 21 swinging strikes overall in his most recent start. I want to say 11 of them were on the changeup. Uh, I, th- I think that's right. It was double what, digit. It was either 10 or 11, but yeah. What really, ca- I mean, other than straight up the 21 swinging strikes against the Braves on Friday was this cutter. Yeah. Like, where did that come from? That's and the all- new pitch. All I could find was a quote from Mel Stottlemyre Jr., the uh, Marlins pitching coach from back in mid-July when they were gearing up for the season. He he really talked up the cutter, but Pablo Lopez had used it sparingly before this start, and uh, it got four swinging strikes itself, so it wasn't bad on its own, but yeah. like just the way it, it may have uh, fleshed out his arsenal really created more differentiation there with the fastball. Definitely yeah. intrigued by this development. Yeah, I mean, you had last season a, a curveball that had a 32.2% whiff rate, which is decent, but not great. You had the changeup, which was 29.7, but did a really good job of limiting contact or limiting hard contact. And so you add in a cutter that you know doesn't have a great whiff rate right now, but the changeup and curveball both have really good whiff rates. And so it might be, just be that kind of thing that, you know, this pitch just helps everything else play up. Um it's been really, really fun to watch. He's looked really, really good. And I don't know. I think Pablo Lopez, you, you guys know I like the, the, the potential before all this. And, you know, he looks like a better pitcher even than, you know, the one who last year at the start of the season, you know, like I've talked about a couple times, if you took out that really bad start against the Mets where he gave up like 10 runs in three innings, he had like a mid threes ERA for most of the, the first half of the season. Um, I think he started dealing with injuries a little later. So I'm excited about Pablo Lopez. I think he's someone who should be owned in uh, in all formats if you can. Yeah, I would have picked him up everywhere he's available. I think he's still available in more than 60% of CBS Sports Leagues, but that, that should change. Yeah, his ownership percentage is up to 40% on CBS. This week he goes up against the New York Mets. I have no problem starting him 
in that matchup. Uh, Chris, that, real was, quick. that was the team that bombed him last year. So <laughs> that's <laughs> true. I started him in that start. I brought that up before. So I, oh, I did too. I'm a little I'm a little sour on on Pablo, but no, he has looked really good so far. Uh, Chris, I'm just gonna put him head to head with another pitcher I know you like and had a. Pretty good start over the weekend as well. Justice Sheffield, who would you rather have between Sheffield and Pablo Lopez? I I would I, I want to see, you know, I know Sheffield a couple starts ago started throwing that slider a lot more. I haven't seen if he had kept up with that, but off the top of my head, I would say uh, Pablo Lopez. Sheffield had only four swinging strikes in today's game, like total, not, not on the slide, total. <laughs> After 13 last time in what yeah. was it? Really good starts. I mean, one earned run in six innings. It was a good start, but that's that's. Uh, yeah, I'd rather have Pablo. Yeah, that's not winning me over. Yeah, I agree. I would I would take Pablo Lopez over Sheffield as well. I'm interested in both, but I like Lopez more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oh my goodness gracious player of the weekend for me is uh, Trevor Gott. If you started Trevor Gott over the weekend in a roto league, he gave you <laughs> you got you got got one <laughs> inning one inning. Four yep. homers, yep. nine earned runs, five hits, two walks. That's an 81 ERA and a 7.00 whip. So, yeah. Trevor Gott, thank you because uh, I started you in a few Roto Leagues this weekend. Uh, yeah, five home runs, five walks, three strikeouts on the season uh, for Trevor Gott. Oh, gosh. You, um, you get so obsessed, or at least I do, with who's getting the saves and how consistently they're, they're, the team's turning to them for saves that somewhere in there you lose sight of how good the pitcher actually is. Right. I'm <laughs> just not good. I'm not sure. Well, th- but that's got. the problem this year is like if you want saves with the way things have gone so far, you're going to have to start some bad pitchers. There's, there's no way around that unless you just punt saves and maybe you should. Well, uh, I mean, I know, I know, uh, I know. Gabe Kapler said he's, uh, you know, he still has faith in Trevor Gott or whatever. <laughs> I don't know if that means he's going to turn back to him in the next save chance. Knowing Gabe Kapler, I mean, I'm surprised how consistently he had done it so far. I don't, you know, they don't have a ton of options. There's Tony Watson who seems to be pitching fine this year, and he was the presumed favorite coming in so he would be the one i'd speculate on and has been mostly good in his career yeah i want to point out he was bad last year but it had been a while since he had he had never had an era before four uh before last season in a season so tony Watson may not be bad yeah he's pitched well thus far one five nine era he's it's five and two thirds innings yeah, so i mean, I mean take it for what it is sample size it's for everyone very small uh Scott, are you speculatively adding anybody on the Giants right now? I remember there was one, there was one night where got pitched earlier, and the gentleman who was supposed to get the save was Sam Selman, who is who's also pitched well so far, and he's got a fourteen point seven K per nine. Are, are you speculative, speculatively adding Selman or Tony Watson in a roto league right now? If you had got, boy, yeah, Selman does have great numbers. Huh, that's an interesting. I wonder how and he did have 81 strikeouts in 48 innings at AAA last season. Yeah, he's been working. He's been working all over the place. I'm not sure about like I. I would. Hmm. Uh, I, I would not be so quick to drop Gott. First of all, especially since Kapler gave him a vote of confidence. Like I feel like if I was handicapping this, I'd go Gott one, then Watson, then. Selman is the speculative play. But like if you're looking to add a safe source off waivers and need to double check to see how available he is, but Drew Pomeranz is the Padres closer now. And yeah. that is somebody who you don't have to worry about how good he is. He is awesome. Uh, so he's available in like 40% of leagues. So that would be the first place to go. Uh, Kirby Yates is on the IL with bone spurs in his elbow. That's potentially going to sideline him the rest of the year. And uh, Pomeranz would be the first place to go. Uh, I, I would put the Rockies... I, w- I would speculate on Carlos Estevez for the Rockies over anyone in the Giants bullpen too, except Carlos Estevez suffered a hand injury in bailing out Yairo Diaz, who has now had trouble in three of his last five appearances. So I don't even know. I don't know what's going to happen with there either with Carlos Estevez. 
Daniel Bard, apparently, is a name. I'll just throw the name out there. He's I put a few uh, small bids in, in deeper Roto Leagues tonight, so just a name to pay attention to. They said that they're going closer by committee right now. They do not have a set closer out there in Colorado following the struggles of Yairo Diaz. Let, guys, let's try and run through these news and notes as quickly as possible because there is a lot to get to here. Probably the most unfortunate news of the weekend is uh, Bo Bichette, who will head to the IL with a sprained knee that apparently could keep him out until September. It is worse than they originally thought. Chris, if you need a shortstop, these are the most added shortstops in CBS leagues right now. Dylan Moore, I preface this, it's not a great list. Dylan Moore, Andres Jimenez, Luis Arias, Jose Iglesias, Nick Ahmed, Willie Adamas, if you need a shortstop. I... My first reaction to say is to say Luis Arias. Um, you know, he is a a former top or a recent top prospect who has struggled mostly uh, since getting to the majors, but you know has hit really well in the minors so far. But I I would think maybe Andres Jimenez might be the answer. Uh, another guy, you know, he was a not quite a top prospect across the board this season, not a top 100 prospect at least, but he was at a couple of places, MLB pipeline at baseball prospectus, not at baseball America, super young, 21 years old. And he's looked good enough that I would expect he's going to uh, continue to get playing time for the Mets. So far, people are raving about his defense and uh, six stolen bases right now. That is uh that's a pretty eye popping number. If Does he lead the NL in stolen bases right now? That, might not. that sounds like it would lead the NL in, in steals. Yeah, um, he's very so, fast. I know. I think he had like a sixty speed tool. Yeah. So that is that's that's probably where I would go right now. Um, but Arias is another one who I would uh, consider. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It looks like Jimenez is the leader there. You know, but with Robinson Cano back, and it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like Jeff McNeil's injury is going to put him on the IL. There's still the playing time question there for mm-hmm. Jimenez. I think. I, I I don't love any of these options as an immediate play. Um, yeah. I might, like J.P. Crawford, I might go with over them. He's available in 55% of leagues. But Arias has hit mostly singles so far, but he's struck out only once. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's finding his... I mean, batting average is supposed to be his main strength anyway. And like, if I was just shooting for upside, I, I think maybe I would gamble on, gamble on Dylan Moore. For Arias, back-to-back three-hit games over the weekend for the Brewers. Obviously, great ballpark to hit in. Um, Not really as great of a lineup as we're used to seeing there, but the hits are starting to come around for Arias. A few shortstop names there if you lost out on Bo which is just so unfortunate the way that he was swinging the bat. A few others. Carter Keboom. Carter B. Keboom's another one. He's playing a lot, at least, and we know he has upside. Aaron Judge and D.J. LeMahieu went to the IL as well. Uh, Judge says that he is 100%, even though he is dealing with a calf injury. He said that he could have played Sunday. I guess that they're just being cautious uh, with their outfield slugger. Uh, Over the weekend, we saw Clint Frazier and and Mike Talkman have some big games. Clint Frazier now, over his first four games, has eight hits, including two home runs. He went three for three on Saturday. Talkman, six hits over the weekend, over those three (laughs) games against Boston. Five runs, four RBI. Both are rostered in under 50% of CBS leagues. Scott, are you interested in both? Are you interested in one? Are you interested in the other? If Judge is back soon, these guys might not be playing every day anyway. (laughs) I feel like the Yankees offense is, is like an SEC football program where like somebody <laughs> goes down and it doesn't matter. It's ridiculous. Just layers and layers of talent. And and we're seeing it with these two. Frazier was the hitter who was available in all my leagues, even 15 teamers that, uh, so I was, I was making a lot of claims for him just for that reason. He was so widely available and yeah, you know, we've talked about his swing adjustment before you, it's very easy to see the, how, how far in he turns his front foot when he's batting. And I don't know. He's been raking between preseason and now into the regular season. Um, so I I don't see why with the kind of start Aaron Hicks and uh, Brett Gardner are off to that they couldn't find a way to keep Frazier around if he keeps hitting like this. And same goes for Talkman, who's been a little more in and out of the lineup. Frazier's played every day since he got called up, though. 
Yeah. Uh, how much fab would you spend on Clint Frazier? I assume that you prioritize him over Talkman, right, Scott? I do. Yeah. Just because of the way, just because it seems like the Yankees actually want him in the lineup every day now. And uh, I would um, probably 10%. I, I went a little higher than that, I know, in Tout Wars, and I didn't get him. Somebody bid like 13%, and I think I bid 12. Mm. So, you know. That's that's where I am in those fifteen team or five outfielder leagues. Obviously, less than that, and anything shallower. Uh, Tyler Wade, just another name to pay attention to. We don't really know the extent of how long DJ LeMahieu is going to be out. He's dealing with a thumb injury. Tyler Wade started on Sunday at second base. He was batting ninth. Uh, he's a name that you can look at in deeper leagues as well. The Yankees plan to activate Aroldis Chapman on Monday. Miguel Andujar was recalled. He was not in the lineup Sunday. Uh, Chris, if you own Zach Britton. What, what do you do with him? Do you, in a roto league, you just still keep him in because he'll help you with ratios? He's not going to close once Chapman is back. Yeah, I would, if I'm starting him just for saves, uh, yeah, I think you probably sit him. But given how few relievers are out there getting saves um, who are actually good, you know, we know Zach Britton's good. We know he's going to be helpful even if he doesn't get saves. And so, you know, it's also possible he does get the occasional save or oldest Chapman. You know, let's say he works to the first two games back and they get, have a save opportunity on the third one. It's going to be Zach Britton who gets that. And so, you know, he's definitely not someone you have to keep starting, but given no how... Help in strikeouts, that's the problem. Like, sure. Well, no yeah, reliever I mean, play, you at least yeah. want them to have a good strikeout rate. And yeah, I just... Bad for I look standards. at it... I just look at it like this. The, your options are probably not great. Given how many starting pitcher injuries we've had, given how much turnover there's been at closer, uh, your your next guy up as at, at pitcher is probably not a particularly good pitcher, and so at some point you're going to have to make the decision uh, to try to protect your ratios in a well, season I, where everybody seems to be blowing up. I just wonder if it's worth dropping him for somebody like Chad Green or sure, Peralta. Maybe. Sure. It's, it's worth noting that Chapman has not been the model of health either. He's had this knee injury the past couple of years, and you know he's yeah. he's no sure thing. He's been a little bit shaky at times. So uh, obviously it's much easier to do if you own both of them, but I assume that's not the case for everybody. But keep that in mind uh, with Zach Britton. Ronald Acuna went to the IL this weekend as well with that wrist injury retroactive to August 11th. Michael Brantley to the IL with right, right quad discomfort retroactive to August 12th. We already spoke about Jordan Alvarez. Uh, Dodgers catcher Will Smith to the IL with a hand injury. Top prospect Kybert Ruiz was called up and he homered Sunday in his first at bat. It's gotten two catcher leagues. Would you rather add Austin Barnes or Kybert Ruiz? You know what? I'll throw Pedro Severino in the mix too who... Admittedly, Scott, I know his underlying numbers are not good because I looked into him on StatCast. It's gross, mm -hmm. but he just keeps hitting. He went three for three with another home run Sunday against Max Scherzer. Yeah, I would add Severino over those two. I would add Austin Nola over those two who didn't start out as catcher eligible, but he is now. And another guy you don't really understand why he hits as well as he does, but it's carried over from last year. And he's playing a lot for the Mariners. So, I mean, the problem with Ruiz, big prospect, but... It's mostly contact skills and, and defense. Not a lot of power. 420 slugging for his career in the minors, and it didn't really improve on the way up the ladder. And I, I, think, I think those at-bats will be, be split, split pretty, pretty evenly between him and Barnes. Strasburg went back on the IL with that nerve issue in his hand. Uh, Fran Mil Reyes was hit by a pitch in the ninth inning on Sunday. X-rays came back negative. He is on fire. Seven multi-hit games in his last nine. He had a double dong on Sunday as well. That is Fran Mil Reyes. Gene Segura was pulled with a hamstring on Sunday. Jacob deGrom, dealing with a neck injury, was scratched on Friday. He played catch on Sunday and, quote, felt better per Mets manager Luis Rojas. Uh, Chris, if you own Jacob DeGrom, are you, do you feel comfortable starting him this week? Yeah, I think you got to. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, with all these have, injuries going well, on, I mean, what are you going to do? Frankie Montas. Who do you have who you feel good about starting? Right. Frankie Montas. There's a decent chance you'd rather get a zero from Jacob DeGrom <laughs> than something from whoever you would start instead. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're not wrong. Frankie Montas was scratched Friday with a back injury. He is on track to pitch Tuesday in Arizona. Will Myers was out Sunday with back tightness. 
Tyler Chatwood was placed on the IL with mid-back tightness, which means Alec Mills remains in the rotation. Let's go, Chris. These guys are not hurt. I, I know that you're a big uh, Alec Mills guy, or you've dubbed me an uh, Alec Mills guy. Oh, he's, definitely, yeah. he's, 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 definitely a, he's an Alec Mill detractor. <laughs> you're, the, you're definitely the Alec Mills guy, and I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm, I'm happy for me, too. He's pitched well for the most part. These guys are not hurt, but they were placed on the restricted list on Friday. Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak. Scott, we're getting a lot of questions about what to do with these guys. If you own either or both, do you start them this week? I th- I think it's pretty risky. I think it's pretty risky. Um, I probably wouldn't. They need to be down for 10 days before they can return, which means potentially that Cleveland could call one of them up to start Sunday, and you, we could get a start from them. It's also possible they put someone on the IL between now and then, and then they could call up either one. They do have a need in their rotation, I think, Thursday or Friday, and I'm not sure who they turn to for that. They already have Adam Plutko filling one of those spots, and he was terrible this weekend. Um, so I don't look. I their GM said this wasn't uh, punitive. It was obviously punitive. Right? Well, yeah, like I, I think. <laughs> I, well, but like he said, it wasn't punitive, but he did say it was like the team. It kind of sounded like the team basically just didn't want them around. Yeah. Like regardless of whether it was like a punishment, it was like a like we don't trust them kind of thing. At least that's what it sounded like to me. Yeah, I uh, Yeah, and and there was some there was some aspect of there being I don't know if it was an official vote or something, but yeah, the, apparently the players were having input in the decision making there too. Um like they're definitely a worse team without them, and they may not be a playoff team without them. So I, I have a hard time believing they're going to be down for long. But for this upcoming week, I would bench them. Scott, yay or nay? Would I, you start someone like Tony Gonsolin, who is in line to start Tuesday against the Mariners, which is a great matchup? He is eighteen percent rostered, four and two thirds shutout last time out with eight strikeouts. I could see myself doing that if I wanted to roster Gonsolin, but that would be just a spot start, presumably. Just one more start. So I'm not I'm not sure I'd make the space for him. I do want to make say one name for the Indians, and that's Tristan McKenzie, who uh was, you know, argue I think believe their top prospect a couple of years ago. He's dealt with injuries over the last couple of seasons, but he's still only twenty two uh missed Missed 2019 with back and pec injuries, but apparently he's looked pretty good in camp. And, uh, you know, I, maybe he's someone who gets called up. I know they, they've got a lot of depth in the rotation, but uh, a name to remember is Tristan McKenzie. Rich Hill could join the Twins rotation for a start during their upcoming series against the Brewers. He threw 60 pitches at their alternate site on Friday. Scott, would you start Rich Hill? Only if I was desperate if it was if it was between him and a zero if it was between him and Zach Plesak let's say then I would throw Rich Hill in there but I don't necessarily trust that it's going to happen or that he'll last particularly long in that start another weekend another positive COVID test this time for a Reds player the Reds and Pirates games Saturday and Sunday were postponed the hope is that the Reds will play the Royals like normal on Tuesday I saw a bunch of tweets from John Heyman before this about like airline tickets and something being purchased. It looks like they are traveling to Kansas City. They're getting ready for that. So, yeah, I think they were still waiting. So everybody tested negative on Saturday, except for this one player, and and then Sunday they want the results there. I mean, it's it's looking pretty good, but you know they could have three positives when the next round of testing comes back, and and that could, you know put them on the sidelines for a week or more. So definitely got to be careful with your Reds and your Royals and your Cardinals, sadly, is the team they're playing at the end of this upcoming week. They can't afford to miss any more games. Uh, But, you know, if, if everything sounded good leading up to the lineup lock, I'd probably roll with them. Luan Diaz, the first base prospect for the Marlins, for Chris's Marlins, was called up this weekend, and he made his first start Sunday. Chris, in 30 seconds or less, what is your interest level in Luan Diaz? Uh, Not particularly high. 
Yeah, he is an interesting prospect. Uh, started hitting a little better once the Marlins acquired him last year, but not a surefire thing, you know, kind of a borderline top 100 guy. And sounds like everyone for the Marlins who was out uh, is cleared to return. And so there's going to be a lot of roster moves over the next week for the Marlins, getting guys back in. And I'm not sure where that would leave Lewin Diaz, especially because he is, from what I understand, pretty much a first base only guy. And even if they wanted to try him out in the outfield, they've got too many guys there too. Speaking of prospects, Anthony Fenich of the Detroit Free Press mentioned on 97.1 the ticket in Detroit that he believes Casey Mize is likely to debut with the Tigers next week. Speculation, so we'll see what happens with Casey Mize. Corbin Burns will start for the Brewers Tuesday against the Twins. Spencer Howard left his start Friday with a blister, plus he was not very good. Now, this, this Burns thing seems like a pretty big deal because he's Tuesday means he'll be uh, back in the rotation for a two-start week. And once I found this out, which unfortunately wasn't soon enough to prevent me from draw, dropping him in the podcast league, a points league where he would have been at his most valuable probably, uh, once I found that out, I put him at the top of the sleeper pitchers for this upcoming week. Burns, obviously the matchup against the Twins, it could be better. But his second matchup is a... Really favorable one. It is against the Pirates. So yeah, and, and he missed a tons of ton of bats when he was working in long relief. Like he still looks like he could potentially have a breakout season here. Scott, waiver wire hitters. Let's hit on a few of these. Obviously, people are desperate. They've lost a ton of big names this weekend, and all of these players I'm about to mention are rostered in less than 70% of CBS leagues. Teoscar Hernandez, six hits over the weekend, including three home runs. Uh, Dom Smith, multiple hits, including a home run in four of his last five games. Robinson Cano, lot to like early on in the season. He wound up getting hurt. If you lost E.J. LeMahieu, someone who might interest you, obviously Robinson Cano. Cole Calhoun, um, a home run in four of his last six games. He's quietly been pretty good, and he's leading off for the Arizona Diamondbacks now. And Shinsu Chu, who's also heating up seven starts in a row, eight hits during that span with three steals. So Teoscar Hernandez, Dom Smith, Robinson Cano, Cole Calhoun, Shinsu Chu. What do you make of this group, Scott? I mean, they're all useful. They all have, uh, they, they, all, they all would matter in, in a certain way. Hernandez and Calhoun, I, I don't think they're going to be much more than cheap power sources, which in five outfielder roto leagues, that matters. Cano and Dom Smith are the two that interest me most. Dom Smith inherits a starting job, obviously, with, with Johannes Cespedes opting out. He hasn't started against a lefty yet since that happened. There was a string of righties that they faced, but obviously he made a strong impression during that string of righties, homering four times, elevating better this year, hitting the ball really hard. I know he turned a lot of heads in camp, but they were wondering how they were going to get him in the lineup. And uh, like I could see him having the breakout that that turns him into a must-start player, which I don't really see happening for Hernandez or Calhoun. And then Cano, I mean... I mean Still hits the ball really well. Yeah. Even yeah. in his limited time last year, the quality of contact numbers were pretty impressive. Yeah, and he makes a lot of contact. And it's... Maybe last year was just a fluke for him. It's kind of the Jesus Aguilar argument. Like, which of these years is the fluke? Well, maybe in Aguilar's case, it wasn't 2018, but 2019. And maybe in Cano's case, he wasn't really on the decline last year. It was just an off year. So, Scott, you said you mentioned Dom Smith is a name that you really like from this group. Where does Dom Smith rank among, you know, Dylan Carlson, who was a very popular pickup um, Friday, and of course over the weekend, he's sixty-one percent rostered, and Clint Frazier, who we already spoke about. So, rank those three: Carlson, Clint Frazier, Dom Smith. So, I think I have to go Carlson number one there, especially since I'm not completely sure about Dom Smith's playing time. But you sound so hesitant, though, Scott. It sounds like you don't you don't want to go Carlson. I know, I know. I, I, I. Whenever there's a choice between a, a completely unproven top prospect and a guy who is hot, but you know we didn't think that much of him a week ago, I'm probably gonna go with the prospect. But you know, I'd, I'd <laughs> it'd be easier to do obviously if Carlson homered in his first three games or something like that. I'll go Carlson one. I'll go Smith two. I'll go Frazier three. We um, we should mention Luis Garcia, right? 
he got called up after uh, we recorded on on Thursday night. Yeah, so, right. Top yeah. prospect for the Nationals. He's a he was a top 100 guy pretty much across the board. Scott, I don't know if he was one of your top 100 fantasy prospects. He, His, he wasn't. He had a terrible year last yeah, year. Yeah, he's one of those guys who like he was. He's 20 right now. Uh, I think he might have just turned 20 a couple months ago, and so the numbers are pretty mediocre. 685 minor league. Uh, OPS doesn't really steal a lot of bases, but he was so young playing his entire, he turned 19 during his first season in double a. So he's someone who, you know, if they're calling him up now and the nationals have been pretty aggressive with their hitting prospects. Uh, but if they're calling up him up now, it, it may mean that he just made a leap at camp. So someone worth mentioning, I'm not running out to grab him right now, but Luis Garcia is, is worth mentioning as we look at the waiver wire for, for Monday and this week. Yeah, for sure. lose Starlin Castro. Yes, broken wrist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Luis Garcia actually didn't play on Sunday. He started both Friday and Saturday. Uh, he did have two hits on Friday with two RBI. Uh, Chris, would he rank behind someone like Luis Arias if you needed that shortstop if you lost Bo Bichette? Yeah, just because Arias has actually... Uh, like hit in the high minors, you know, Garcia is probably the more talented player, but you know, he, he's still, we're still waiting for the breakout for him. Let's stick with you there, Chris, some waiver wire pitchers. People are desperate and they need help. We mentioned Lopez and justice Sheffield at the top. Um, Scott also mentioned the, he just had four swinging strikes. It was against the Houston Astros, a team that typically does not strike out very much. So Justice Sheffield, six innings, six hits, two runs. One of those were earned. Only one walk, four strikeouts. He has quality starts over his last two. Ten strikeouts to just one walk during that span. He's going up against the Texas Rangers this week. Uh, Danny Duffy is was at the Twins this weekend. He'll face the Twins again this week. Five innings, two hits, two runs, one walk, eight strikeouts. 14 swinging strikes on 84 pitches against the Twins. Uh, Eliezer Hernandez, another Marlin, against the Braves over the weekend, on Sunday specifically. Five innings, five shutout innings, nine strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes. Uh, And then Kevin Gausman, we saw 11 strikeouts. His next start is against the Angels. So, Chris, rank Pablo Lopez, Justice Sheffield, Danny Duffy, Eliezer Hernandez, and Kevin Gausman. Uh, I think I go Lopez, Sheffield, and Gosman are close. Hernandez, and then Danny Duffy's last. Um, Elias Hernandez, kind of a one-pitch pitcher. You know, he's got a really good slider, although, um, you know, I think his fastball velocity's up a little bit so far. You know, maybe that's something. This was obviously uh, a very impressive start, albeit against a, you know, Ozzy Albies and... Uh, Ronald Acuna, Atlanta Braves lineup, but still, you know, it's it was impressive enough to, uh, you know, to to be on your radar. He he did get seven swing strikes with the fastball, eight with the slider today, um, but he really is just like a one pitch pitcher. I I agree. Pablo Lopez is number one for me, but number two is Kevin Gosman, and RP I don't eligible. know. Yeah, he is. And I don't know what exactly the Giants have done with them. He's thrown his splitter a lot. He's always thrown a splitter a lot. It's always been a very good pitch. But it's like the whole thing has just gone to another level. He is missing bats like crazy. It's not just this start. It's been a trend happening all season. It was easy to overlook at first because he was going four innings at a time. But the last couple starts, he's been right around six, 11 strikeouts in this one. Uh, for the year, 34 strikeouts in 25 and two-thirds innings, a 15% swinging strike rate, which is studly if he can maintain that. That's for the year so far, five starts. And uh, that, that definitely has my attention. It's weird because he's still getting hit incredibly hard, and the answer may just be that he gets to pitch at Oracle Park now instead of Camden, uh, which is where he spent most of his career. But, yeah, he, I, like even when you look into the pitch by pitch data, like it's not clear where all the swing strikes are coming from. He's just, he's generating a lot of swings. Um, so yeah, I don't, I'm not exactly sure where the strikeouts are coming from. And it is a small sample size, but yeah, the split is getting the same 
percentage yeah. as always. The fastball is getting a lot more. The fastball's up, yeah. Um, yeah. And the velocity's up from where it was last year, so that, that could explain yeah. part of it. Yeah. Maybe he's maybe he's this year's Jake Odorizzi. And the spin rate's up a little bit. It could be just some combination of like spin rate's up a little bit, velocity's up a mile an hour, mile and a half per hour. Maybe, maybe that's enough. Scott, would you rather start, if you just need a spot starter this week, Pablo Lopez against the Mets or Kevin Gausman against the Angels? I'd rather start Lopez. All right, we're going to hit a quick break here. When we come back, we have some buy low, sell high starting pitchers from the weekend to go over some other performances as well from this weekend. Uh, and what has changed heading into week five? I know that there's a bunch, and poor Scott's going to have to update you on that, as he is always doing. We'll do that here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. What is going on with Lucas Giolito over the weekend against the Cardinals? Five innings, six hits, five runs, four earned, two walks, and five strikeouts. So far for Giolito, the walks are way up, like four walks per nine. Last year, that was 2.9 walks per nine. The chase rate is down, so that seems correlated. People are laying off his pitches outside the strike zone. Uh, and his changeup, that was his best pitch last year. When people are making contact on that pitch, a 42% line drive rate and a 161 weighted runs created plus. Scott, how worried are you about Lucas Giolito moving forward if you own him? And if you don't, would you be looking to buy low? Well, I think it's important to remember that his numbers are skewed greatly by that very first start when he gave up seven earned runs. Uh, the The previous three prior to this weekend were good. I mean, if you asked us this after his fourth start, we would say, what do you mean? What is there to worry about Lucas Giolito? So that's that's important to remember. It's always also important to remember it hasn't even been a month yet. And if you go look back at pitcher stats after April of last year, there would be some... Very screwy things happening there, too. I think there's been enough positive here that I'm really not that worried. Yeah, he needs to stop walking so many. Um, if the changeup remains less than it was last year, you know, he's going to be a worse pitcher. But it, that's that's influenced by the sample size, too. There's just really no substitute for sample size. Yeah. And that's that's really... That's the problem with all forms of analysis right now, but... I, I would say my my greatest source of comfort with Giolito is just that he was coming off back-to-back nine strikeout efforts. And he's probably still going to be valuable in the long run. Uh, what do you do with him? I, I think I just keep starting him. His next two starts, speaking of starting him, are projected to be, and these things can change very quickly in baseball this season, as we've seen, projected to be the Tigers and the Pirates. So that should hopefully help Lucas Giolito. Those are two of the better matchup so far this season. Chris, Walker Bueller at the Angels this weekend. Four and two-thirds, six hits, five runs. Four of those were earned. One walk, five strikeouts. His strikeouts are, are down a little bit this year. His walks are way up. 4.3 walks per nine. Uh, swinging strike rate is down a tad. Lots of fly balls. He got off to a slow start last year. Would you be trying to buy low on Walker Bueller? Yeah, I think you probably have to. He, he 
like you said, he did get off to a slow start last year. And typically I don't really love the like, well, this guy's just a slow starter thing. But in his case, uh, the Dodgers have just not really let him like pitch before the season starts, which is a strange strategy that hasn't really worked out uh, in the early going in either of the seasons. But uh, by the end of last season, he was one of the five best pitchers in fantasy. And so my assumption is he'll get there. I think this is mostly just rustiness. Like he's had a couple of starts where the walks have been up, but you know, it's not like there are any super alarming signs in his profile. The velocity is where you, you think it should be. Um, You know, he's still throwing four different pitches with regularity. So I don't really see any reason to be overly concerned or really concerned at all about Walker Bueller. Um, It's more just that if in 2021, you know, in March, the Dodgers aren't letting him throw in spring training, maybe downgrade him a bit because he might get off to a slow start. Uh, And specifically for Walker Bueller, I I know that early on in the season, he was not going deep into starts. So that's why it's, you know, easy to see the walks per nine being higher than they, you know, probably should be. So those are two names. But he's back up to the high 80s in pitches. Right. That's that's the key sign, I think. Uh, Gilito and Bueller, some buy low pitchers, some sell high potentially. Scott, let us know. What do you think about this group? Uh, Merrill Kelly, another great start over the weekend. Six and two thirds shutout against the Padres. Seven strikeouts, 12 swinging strikes on 96 pitches. He's got a 171 ERA, a 372 XFIP. Doesn't get a ton of swinging strikes, but the control has been really, really good for Mer- Merrill Kelly so far. Christian Javier. Six innings of one hit ball, three walks, and five strikeouts against the Mariners. He has a 7.6% swinging strike rate. His next start is in Colorado. Don't love that. Walker mm-hmm. Bueller, uh, seven innings of two run ball against the Mets this weekend. Uh, entering this start, he had a 3.9K per nine. So he's pitching to more contact. I don't know how you know big of an issue or how much you worry about that. And then Denelson Lamette. I'll just bring it up just because he's been awesome. You don't have to sell high. It could just be he's really good. Uh, Six innings of one-run ball, eight strikeouts, and I really like that the walks are down this year for Denelson Lamette, just 2.54 walks per nine thus far. Scott, the pitches, he's been limited a little bit. He's been 84 pitches or less in four of his first five starts this season, Denelson Lamette. So Merrill Kelly, Christian Javier, Zach Wheeler, and Lamette. Scott, do you want to sell high on any of these guys? And if so, which one? Uh, I could see myself selling high on all of them except maybe Lamette. And of course, it just depends on how, what you're getting back. Like I would, I would still take Lamette over, like I would still take Bueller over Lamette. I would take Giolito. Like if you could sell high for somebody who we trust is an ace coming in and hasn't given us clear reason to think they're not an ace anymore, I would still do that. But the guys I just don't really believe in what they're doing so far, just straight up don't believe it. Kelly, I mean, would be high on that list uh, because it's mostly just built on insane control, and I'm not sure. Insane control and weak contact, and I think that's that's never uh, a skill set I'm going to buy into that heavily at a time when players hit the ball so hard and so far. I, I, what The one I'm really wondering about is Wheeler because he's just not missing any bats at all, and it's just so out of character for him. And... Like he has eight strikeouts and four starts or something. No, no, that's not quite right. But what was it? 12 strikeouts total and four starts. Zach Wheeler, three strikeouts a start is what he's averaged. It's weird. Yeah, really weird. He's putting the ball on the ground a lot, but I don't know. Just the fact that he's been so bankable so far, I think somebody freaking out for pitching might be able to give up a lot for him. They obviously want to give up pitching for him. So you have to weigh that, weigh your own needs in that. But I could see you pulling off a sell-high trade with him. I'm just just a little worried about that. Obviously a good track record there. My only counter that to that would be that you, if you're like an 8.5 to 9K per 9 guy, you'll probably at some point go through a stretch like this. That's um, fair. That's fair. I, I don't want to say I'm panicking over Wheeler. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with holding onto him. I don't think it's all going to come crashing down. I just, he's going to have some rough times ahead because he hasn't yet. And, you know, I just wonder how much 
how much has actually changed with him with the strikeouts being down? Um, I don't know what you can get for Christian Javier, but there's no way I'm starting him at Coors Field. I know I've recommended uh, Gallon at Coors Field. I've recommended Lynn at Coors Field, and it went very well for both. I don't think I can recommend Javier there. I think that could go very poorly for him. Yeah, speaking of Lance Lynn in uh, Colorado Whew. on Friday, I believe it was, that was a complete game, two runs. One of those were earned six strikeouts. So Lance Lynn has really solidified himself as a top 25 starting pitcher, maybe even higher than that. So he is must start and he's earned my trust. Uh, Chris, I'll just ask you, give it to me in a minute or less. I don't think it's considered a sell high because he's coming off a bad start, but Patrick Corbin at the Orioles this weekend, five innings, five runs, only two strikeouts. His fastball is averaging 90 miles per hour this season. Last year, it was 92. His swinging strike rate is also down about 3%. What is your concern level over Patrick Corbin? I, I have trouble being particularly concerned about him at all. You know, in 2018, his fastball velocity was actually lower than it was in 2019, and he was an even better pitcher. So I just don't know how much fastball velocity matters for him. Like, look, Patrick Corbin has a bad fastball. He has a fastball that gets hit hard a lot and doesn't get strikeouts or swings and misses. He's a, sing, he's a slider pitcher. That, that's the, the only reason he's good as his slider. And, you know, maybe there's something weird going on with the slider where he's throwing it. Uh, even slower than usual. You know, it's been up down to like 78 miles per hour, like three miles per hour down from where it usually is. That's a little bit concerning, but I don't like the movement is still mostly the same. Like it's not like the movement profile has changed much. I think this is just a weird start for Patrick Corbin, but you know, it's possible that it's also, he threw a lot of innings last season as a, uh, you know, making a run to the world series and, Maybe he's just not quite all there. I don't know. Uh, but that's, that's longer, longer than, than a, a minute, minute Chris. Chris. <laughs> you haven't been uh, introduced to Demon Scott yet. <laughs> but he's not wrong. It, it was longer than a minute. I kind of dozed off here because, uh, you know, the soothing voice wow, of Chris Towers. Wow. Wow. That's more upsetting than Scott cutting me off. <laughs> I all fell right. asleep while you were talking. That was, uh, that was not, a, un, not unfair. Uh, a, a long-winded way of saying that you're not worried about Patrick yeah. Corbin, basically. So I think we're good there. Some expected studs that are coming around over the weekend. Glaber Torres had a four-hit game on Friday, three straight multi-hit games. Gary Sanchez is hitting a lot of home runs, so that's good, but that's basically it. Mark Canna, five hits over his last two games, including five RBI. Marcus Semien, a modest five-game hitting streak, home runs in two straight. Matt Olson, three hits and three runs scored on Sunday. He has homered. He homered in three straight entering Sunday's game. Uh, Trey Turner, seven hits over his last three games. Still no steals, which is frustrating, but at least the hits are coming. Uh, and he's hitting for more power this year, too. Garrett Cole, 18 strikeouts over his last two starts. A 17% swinging strike rate in those two. He's fine. He's hashtag good. Anthony Rendon, eight hits over his last six games. He has homered in five of those games. And Joe Adele, worth mentioning, he had two hits on Sunday, both of those with an exit velocity over 111 miles per hour. Studs being studs over this weekend. Sonny Gray, 10 strikeouts against the, the Pirates. We mentioned Lance Lynn. Clayton Kershaw, nice bounce back game against the Angels. You like to see that. Aaron Nola is a top five pitcher in fantasy right now. No doubt about it. Seven shutout with eight strikeouts against the Mets. Shane Bieber, very good. Scott, you moved him to your number one starting pitcher. And he continues to pitch like it. It was against the Tigers. Seven shutout, 11 strikeouts. Max Fried, also very good. Six and two thirds, shutout innings with seven strikeouts. Um, Brandon Lau just continues to rake. 338 batting average, seven homers, 20 RBI. Never doubt the Dobnak, Chris. If you agreed, if you would have agreed, you would actually be shaving a Dobnak. I know you're not. You didn't agree. You don't have to shave shave I mean, a Dobnak. Yeah, why would I agree to that? But he gave you two wins this week, so I'm just saying, don't Incredible doubt stuff. the Dobnak and don't doubt Anthony Santander, who had a double dong on Sunday. He is now up to seven, uh, as well as his teammate Pedro Severino, who's absolutely raking. Mentioned him earlier in the show as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, got to pick up Santander if he's still available. I know he's. He's still available in a decent percentage of leagues. He looks like he looks like what we thought Willie Calhoun was going to be. Uh, Scott, I know that one player you wanted to get to for sure. And, you know, what's going on with these guys? Or what do we do with these guys heading into this week? Nathan Avaldi 
He got shelled over the weekend in Yankee Stadium. Eight earned yeah. runs over five and a third. His next start is this week at Baltimore. I Do you start him there? Do you drop him for one of the starting pitchers we mentioned earlier? He is one of my 10 sleeper pitchers for the upcoming week. Okay. Baldy is the matchup. You know, I know, I know Baltimore's has some hot hitters on it, but I, I don't really think they're a good lineup in the long run. And, you know, everybody deserves a pass for a bad start against the Yankees. I feel like that's where we're at with them. Uh, what I was encouraged about Avaldi for the second straight start, he threw that curveball a quarter of the time. He got 14 swinging strikes. Like he actually, the last two starts, one went very well, one went very poorly, but I think the trend is overall positive and that he actually seems to have an off speed pitch now and it helps the rest of his arsenal play up. He's going to miss more bats just can't give up three home runs in a start like he did this time. Um, so I, I would not be looking to drop Avaldi after this start. I might still play him. Yeah, I was going to, considering he's a sleeper, you you would likely still start him. It depends on who I else. I mean, is look, on it's your hard roster. to find 10 sleeper pitchers in a given week. This right. is the first <laughs> year where I've done that every week. And like, there probably aren't 10 true sleeper pitchers every week, but uh, I, I wouldn't be afraid to start him if. I didn't have an obvious alternative. Chris, starter sit, Framber Valdez, who is coming off a six-inning, one-run performance against the Mariners. He's in Colorado this week. Would obviously prefer to sit him, but, you know, like what we're seeing so far. Yeah, he's pitched very well, but I agree. Uh, sit Framber Valdez if you can. Scott, Dustin May on Sunday against the Angels. Four and a third, two earned runs, only two strikeouts. He is at home against Colorado this week. Starter sit. At home against Colorado, I'd, pro- I'd, I'd try to start him. I wouldn't be automatic, depend what else I had, but I wouldn't, I'd be fine with starting him. He actually threw a season-high pitches in this start, even though he went only four and a third innings. So that's, that's not a bad development. Chris, Garrett Richards, seven innings, two runs, only two strikeouts, but back-to-back quality starts. I remember earlier in the season, uh, we went over his schedule, and it was quite a rough stretch. He's... He's been up and down, but the last two have been good. This week, he's going against the Houston Astros at home in Petco. Starter sit. I would try to avoid him there just because, you know, he's not missing bats quite like you hope. And, um, you know, that's the kind of thing that can hurt you against a team like Houston, even though they haven't been great so far this season. Scott, uh, we would be remiss not to mention, of course, uh, Robbie Ray's fantastic performance on Sunday. Five no-hit innings, still managed to allow a run, six walks, now has 20 walks over his first five starts. Scott, what the heck do we do with this guy? I believe he faces the Giants this week. Any interest? Uh, any interest? Um, <laughs> it is the Giants. So I'll, I'll just say, I, I have interest in him planting. I, I have interest in planting him on my bench and seeing where this goes. If you have the kind of space that you can afford to do that. But uh, I, this is not enough to win me over to starting him. It is so, in San Francisco, Chris. The funny thing is... Like his walk rate's not well, I guess now it is. It wasn't <laughs> coming into the start, it wasn't like so outlandishly out of place among the rest of his career. Like he he was at 16.1% coming into this start. He'd been at 13.3% in 2018. Uh, you know, it's this is on the high end of Robbie Ray outcomes in terms of walks, but it's not so concerningly bad that you should just dump him for uh, anything or drop him. Uh, Like if you drafted Robbie Ray and this is the start that he's had to the season, it probably isn't like you should probably have expected something like this at some point during the season. I would drop Robbie Ray for Pablo Lopez, but that's just me. 7.4 walks per nine entering Sunday. 8.2. Eight, I believe, is what it's up to. I, oh I would do that too, Frank. It's not just you. Yeah. I think that, okay, that's fair. He Pablo, walks I mean, everybody. He has a 59% fly ball rate and a 50% hard contact. So, like, he gives up free passes oh, wow. yeah, and then he, he gives up fly balls ball rate on the season. and home run. Like, oh my God. Ah, He's just, Jesus. he is an absolute mess, man. Just, all right, just ignore everything I said. This is like <laughs> way worse than a typical Robbie Ray. Oh my God. Start. This is, yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Just, Ignore me. Imagine thinking that he was going to finish top three in, in, in Cy Young voting. Uh, Just kidding. I love you, Adam. <laughs> uh, 
Scott, I know that there's a lot that's changing currently up to the minute for week five. <laughs> oh, this uh, is not up to the minute. <laughs> well, what, what's the latest, man? What do you have uh, regarding any changes that you've had to make? Well, up to the last four hours, the biggest was, as I mentioned, Corbin Burns back in the rotation and in line for two starts. I think that's a play you want to make everywhere. Um, Tuki Toussaint went from having one start when we last talked to two versus Washington versus Philadelphia. Neither of those matchups are particularly scary. I could see playing him if he was on my roster. Um, Alex Cobb, who's had really good luck with the splitter this year, seems like he might be a better pitcher versus Toronto versus Boston. He went from having one start to two. So I would put him in the two start sleeper category as well. Uh, with the hitters, as I mentioned, I took Nick Senzel and Jesse Winker were both in my sleeper hitters for this upcoming week. And I decided to remove them from the column just in case things, uh, how seeing how to see how things play out there with the reds and the testing and whether or not they're actually going to play this week. I added Eric Hosmer to the list who has started six of seven for the Padres and homered in two of three and still seems to be going strong there with the fly balls, seems to be past the stomach issues. That's very encouraging. I had a Nick Solak there who had a couple doubles in a home run Saturday. I like the the Texas Rangers matchups this week. Uh, Yeah, you could go to the site and check out the other sleeper hitters, but those were some changes I made. And, uh, you know, keep an eye out for Rich Hill. He could be back this week. Also, um, I think there was one other pitcher. I can't remember now, but yeah, that's that's probably the short version of the changes I made. And of course, you can find that on CBSSports.com. Monday Probables to stream or not to stream. The must-starts that I have are Zach Gallon against Oakland, Kyle Hendricks, maybe must-start, but he's pitched really well, uh, and he's going up against the Cardinals, and Ross Stripling, who is going up against the Mariners. So, Scott, we'll start with you. Quang Hyun Kim at the Cubs. Yay or nay? Nay, I don't know how deep he's going to go, but I'm glad you mentioned that too because those Cardinals pitchers were also added to the Sioux Star pitchers. Quang Hyun Kim and Ponce, uh, I forget his, Daniel Ponce de Leon. They're both two-star pitchers, but I have concerns about how long they're going to be able to go after so much time away. Adam Wainwright did manage to go five innings on Saturday, but he only threw 67 pitches. And Dakota Hudson threw four innings, I think, today. That is correct. Uh, Scott, actually, while we're on the topic of Cardinals, real quick, 30 seconds or less, did you find out anything regarding their bullpen this weekend? Because it was kind of all over the place. Andrew Miller got the save in game two of the doubleheader Saturday, and Giovanni Gallegos worked game one uh, in the sixth inning, which is actually the eighth inning considering it was a double hitter game oh god yeah um <laughs> I, I mean i, 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 totally I would forgot pres- about that i would presume that means phil miller's the favor for saves but we don't have enough evidence yet for me to go crazy bidding on him chris martin perez at the yankees on monday yay or nay no way no way <laughs> almost died there no way even Jose. i mean i'm sorry to alarm you <laughs> So much. Yeah, uh, I was like, oh, no. gosh. How can you Martin say no? Perez is, is a fringy guy against a good matchup. Uh, Jordan Montgomery against the Red Sox, Scott. Uh, I could see... Do Yeah, I'll say yes to that. Yeah. Chris Anibal Sanchez at the Atlanta Braves. Nope. Scott, Tuki Toussaint versus the Nationals. I think when we're just talking about an individual start, I would shy away from that. We were talking about a two-start week earlier. That's different. Chris, I am really giving you some fantastic names here. Jordan Yamamoto. Yeah, you're giving me a lot that I really have to, to ponder, but I'm uh, going to say no on Jordan Yamamoto as well. Even against the Mets, Chris? Uh, the Mets are pretty good. Yeah, I know. I'm just kidding. Uh, Bubich, Scott, at the Twins. Chris Bubich against the Twins is a definite no. <laughs> Chris, our boy, our Boyd, Matthew Boyd at the White Sox. I don't see how, like, I, I there are probably a few leagues where I'm going to end up starting him this week. Just uh, such are the meager blessings in my life. But uh, <laughs> you probably shouldn't. You presumably invested more in starting pitcher than I did. Do as he says, not as he does. We are praying yeah. for your ERA and whip, Chris. 
Gio Gonzalez against the Tigers. Scott? Nope. Zach Davies at the Texas Rangers. Chris? Nope. I don't mind it, actually. I'm probably on an island there, though. Jordan Lyles versus the Padres. Scott? Why are you even asking me, Frank? <laughs> Kyle Freeland at the Houston Astros. Chris? Which effect are you? Is that the pitch change <laughs> effect? Uh, I don't want you to steal my trick, uh, but it's it's number 24, whatever that is. Kyle Freeland at Houston, is that what you're... Yes. <laughs> no. Scott, Brandon Belak versus the Rockies. Uh, it's in Houston, right? That um, is in Houston. It's, it's too dangerous. I, I, it's, it's on the better end of the names you've listed off, but I'd rather not. Chris, how about Chris Bassett at the Arizona Diamondbacks? Uh, that's definitely less of an automatic no. Um, as a one-start streamer, I think he's pretty fringy, though. I, I like him more as a two-start guy, so probably not. I am not even going to ask you about Justin Dunn, Scott, so I will go to... I'm not even going to ask you about Tyler Anderson. Griffin Canning versus the San Francisco <laughs> Giants. Oh, good matchup, but I don't... Even even in the two-star rankings, I have him out of the, out of the starting range because... Uh, Really don't like the way he's trending stuff-wise. So, no. Alrighty, that'll do it for Scott and Chris. Wild weekend here. A lot to get to. Um, we hit on as much as we, we possibly can. I think we did great. I, You know what? Thank you, Chris. For You're Scott welcome. and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.